This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today, Governor DeSantis warns Floridians against looting, which, of course, makes him a racist, I guess. Beto claims he doesn't support defunding the police. Hmm. And a Vermont high school bans girls from their own locker room to protect a transgender student. Uh, The world is off the rails, but uh, we've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. Happy Monday. I'm Sarah Gonzalez, and I'm joined by um, John Doyle, Blaze TV contributor and host of uh, Heck Off Commie, which you can find on YouTube. That's all I'm going to say about it. Also joined by a reporter from The Daily Caller, Jorge Ventura, back in studio and looking very nice with yeah, the tie. Yeah. You dressed Bla- up I'm, for me. I'm Blaze TV's favorite Hispanic, so you hey. know, I got I to earn it. I got to earn it. I'm right <laughs> here. Sorry about that, sir. I don't know if you got that memo yet. Thanks, Glenn. Wait, should, do we need to <laughs> switch seats? Are you? Did they just fought? Was I a diversity Welcome hire that was just replaced by a browner, Ventura, a browner here, guy? Insulting <laughs> Sarah on her own show yeah. is a pro gamer move. Like that is like a good strategy. That is what John did, and I, he's still no, here Monday, somehow. Guys. He's it's still here. Uh, yeah, we're glad that you're back. And uh, so I want to go through some of this. Uh, what's happening in Florida, of course, in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian, because I think the Democrats were very ready, very excited, very poised for a lot of horrible damage to Florida so that they could then blame Governor DeSantis for his mishandling of it. Uh, I mean, they were like chomping at the bit, ready to regurgitate the talking points before the hurricane had even uh, hit land. But uh, on Friday, Governor DeSantis warned looters who may try to take advantage of the hurricane damage and reminded them, Florida is a Second Amendment state, so I probably wouldn't try that if I were you. Watch. The other thing that we're concerned about, particularly in those areas that were really hard hit, is you know we want to make sure we're maintaining law and order. Uh, don't even think about looting. Don't even think about taking advantage of people in this vulnerable uh, situation. And so local law enforcement is involved in, 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 in monitoring that. You know, I told Kevin if the state needs to help as well, uh, because you, know, you can have people you know, bringing boats into some of these islands and trying to ransack people's homes. Um, I can tell you in the state of Florida, uh, you never know what may be lurking behind somebody's home. And I would not want to chance that if I were you, given that we're a Second Amendment state. Show me the lie. I can't find one. But apparently that was racist, according to Joy Reid, who responded on uh, Twitter to this, saying, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Segregationist Miami Sheriff Walter E. Headley, 1967, didn't take DeSantis long to return to form. Uh, now, if you guys are watching and you can see this tweet, she includes a link to a 2020 NPR article titled The History Behind When the Looting Starts, the Shooting Starts. And this was, of course, uh, in reference to when Trump tweeted the same phrase amidst the George Floyd riots. Now, Trump later said he didn't know the racial history of the phrase. But, um, I, I, you know, it's funny because me being the non-racist that I am, I see Ron DeSantis say that and I'm like, 
Yeah, true. Be careful. There are a lot of armed Floridians who are going to protect their property, and uh, you should probably not do that. I didn't think one time anything about race, but I'm also not a racist, so that's not where my mind goes. I completely agree. As the inventor of non-racism, I can say that. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, yeah, I was the first person to ever be like, can we just stop being racist, guys? And really? I gotta re yeah, I, I bought like a djembe from Guitar Center. This is very old John Doyle lore, but uh, I like was able to maybe like conjure some like voodoo spirits or something mm -hmm. and, and actually like end racism through my djembe. Thank you, John. Wow. Thank you for your service, You're welcome. John. You're welcome. It, it's a thankless job. You know, people making fun of me for not posting content. They don't see the work I do behind the scenes. That's true. But anyways, we lack, I think, a, a sophisticated understanding of like civil rights history in this country, broadly speaking. And so someone like Joy Reid can get away with quoting that and being like, oh, looting start. Well, that's what this segregation is. Because people in America have forgotten that during the 1960s when there were race riots, it was kind of the same type of person who was going out there and looting. I mean, you've never really seen a case where like all these white people are going to like home goods and looting. It just doesn't happen. So it, it kind of makes us want to have an uncomfortable conversation about who's actually looting because the left seems to understand where the tendencies are and the right doesn't. The right just wants to be like, oh, come on, anybody can do this. And that's true, but that's not always the case. But I think that if conservatives want red states to stay red, they should utilize the significant uh, majorities that they have in both chambers of state Congress to make sure that every red state has things like stand your ground mm -hmm. laws, uh, you know, castle doctrines, mm -hmm. things like that, to make sure that if this stuff happens, they're able to defend themselves. And liberals, like, they will willingly live in states like California and, and endure terrible qualities of life. But if they hear that, like, oh, you know, Oklahoma just passed stand your ground law, they won't move there, even if the quality of life is objectively better there. So you can actually keep liberals out of your state by just passing things that they think are scary, but that are ultimately good for the citizens. I mean, the best part is DeSantis is literally just giving a warning to the looters, saying, hey, uh, you know, F around and you will find out yeah. in, this, in this state. Uh, right, and so if he was racist, he wouldn't warn them. Exactly. Right? I mean, yeah, like, I mean, that's he, a bad racist. He's literally he's doing the them. looters a favor, saying, hey, uh, <laughs> just to remind you guys, you guys are in Florida. If right. you F around, you will find out. So I'm just, you know. And look, that message what DeSantis is doing is, it's, it's a working class message because whether you're left or right, you all want the public safety and, and your, your goods mm -hmm. protected during this time. So it's a winning message. It kind of reminds me of the rooftop Koreans um, in a way. So I think it's a, it's a winning message. And I mean, Joy Reid is, I mean, she'll, she'll grab anything like that and just wanted to make it into a viral, juicy little clip. So um, I, I find it hilarious. There's a viral actually video right now of a black Democrat in Florida oh, saying like, hey, I, I, I like the way that DeSantis responded. His units were here. They're helping out our citizens. I'm going to vote for DeSantis and I'm a Democrat. And he's black. So. We actually have this. Uh, so let, let's go ahead and listen. Now I know that he's thinking DeSantis. That, was, that was me. That was me in the background. Like, uh, excuse me, sir, there are children around. <laughs> Stop cursing. He is thinking DeSantis, but that uh you know, who really deserves the credit right here is John Doe. John, for, for solving racism yeah. and bringing the bridges together. Yeah, Thanks, John. thank you, John. I feel like Batman in the sense where, like, I shouldn't have to have my identity public, <laughs> but if it were made public, I would be, like, happy to take credit for it. So I, I'm glad that you brought that up, Jorge, um, because I think it's such a good uh, segue into the other part of this uh, response to Hurricane Ian, which is the federal government's response. And you have Ron DeSantis out there making sure, as this uh, black man pointed out in Arcadia, 
making sure that the community of Arcadia has gas. He was mm -hmm. able to deliver that and make sure that, that he came through on that. Meanwhile, you have uh, Kamala Harris who said that the government should help Floridians through giving resources based on equity to communities of color first. Like, I, I, it's hard for me to believe that these people in these positions of power are saying these things so blatantly and so arrogantly and as out loud as they have, but here it is. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and, and impacted by, by issues that are not of their own making. And, and so women. we, absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want mm. people to be in an equal place, sometimes mm -hmm. we have to take into account those disparities oh. um, and, and do that work. Oh, okay. Um, so interesting. So uh, if, I don't know, if a white person who lives in a more affluent neighborhood uh, just had their entire house completely ravaged, underwater, has nothing left, they, what, if they go apply for aid, if they go apply for FEMA, are they supposed to be told, wait in the back of the line before we get to all of the black people? I don't know, but Christina Pushaw, who is a rapid response director for DeSantis's reelection campaign and also my total girl crush, uh, she tweeted back at Kamala, this is false. VP's rhetoric is causing undue panic and must be clarified. FEMA individual assistance is already available to all Floridians impacted by Hurricane Ian, regardless of race or background. If you need assistance, visit disasterassistance.gov or call the number. Um, but it's just, it's so fascinating to see these people, this community in a time of need, and still the top leaders of our country jump straight to, well, we want to help the, the uh, minorities first. Stand back, whiteies. Go, go find somewhere else. I don't know. You're white. You'll figure it out. And they probably will, too, to be fair. But it's interesting how, like, this... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> True. John just and wakes he, up and thinks like, how am I going to piss people I off just on Sarah's show today? I am compelled I to speak the truth. I don't choose violence as a white man. <laughs> See, you get me into trouble, Jorge. Um, but it is true that like, you know, the whole civil rights regime, as we were discussing earlier, really is like enshrined in the principle of equality. And you've seen very recently the language change to not equality, but equity, because the same way that like we always say, well, you can either have equality or you can have freedom, because if you have freedom, of course, the results aren't going to be equal. But if you have equality, well, then there can't be freedom because you're going to have to put your thumb on the scale to a certain degree to make sure that those results are completely equal. And so equality was a nice message. But then what we've seen is, well, if you even give people a leg up, it's not going to produce an equal outcome. So now you have to even make it into like a zero-sum game mm -hmm. where you're going to have resources given to those who are subjectively uh, decided by these types of people to be in greater need of it simply because of like this grand narrative of American oppression. But they want to give it to communities of color. And when we hear that phrase, we think of like black people and we think of their history in this country and how they've been oppressed. But you don't really think about Asian people or Hispanic people who, to my knowledge, have never faced oppression at the levels of black Americans and frankly, even like Irish Americans. But it's it's this grand narrative of like redistributing uh, resources from like white people who are the only group of people other than Asians who pay more into the system than they take out of it to communities of color, which are defined by like black people and Hispanic people. So it's just this big thing where they want to redistribute wealth from white people to non-white people under the guise of like this ought 
to happen because of their misunderstanding of 20th century history. It sounds a lot like communism. Yeah, and, and I agree <laughs> with, with, with Kamal's very first line is those with the lowest income are most affected. So let's help out white, Hispanic, black, everyone there in Florida. And I think her statement is also like it's a microcosm of one of the biggest, I think, negative impacts of the Democratic Party where they continue to ignore the issues of white working class. And I think mm -hmm. that's why we see those voters continue to, to reject them. I mean, you could look at Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania. I mean, the Democratic Party has literally rejected that white working class. It says, oh, well, you're white. You can figure it out. We don't care that we actually voted to shift your manufacturing jobs to China. We don't care that you're on opioids. We don't care that you're getting divorced. We don't care that your uh, kids are growing up, growing up with no parents. And I think we're going to continue to see that. But I mean, for her, it's a, it's a huge mistake because it's everyone that's impacted. But they continue to just throw that middle finger at the white working class, non-college educated voters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when they look at the polls, are mad at this population for not voting Democratic. I mean, they continue to lean to this coastal elites. And look, regular people don't even talk like that. Like, even right. if you meet, like, Hispanic liberals, black liberals, Asian liberals, I mean, no one actually literally talks like that. It's this coastal elite language that they continue to cater to. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I just thought it was so fascinating that, you know, I mean, I'm glad that Christina Pushaw tweeted out, you know, a response to that. She's and said, a beast like, this on is, Twitter. I know, I yeah. love her. She's so savage. But um, she said she corrected it, but it's like, Great. I'm glad that that's not the case, but clearly that is that is the country that the left wants for mm. us, right? Like that would be like Kamala just basically gave what her wish was for how we handle disasters, um, and it's really scary. Go ahead. I wanted word. to I wanted to carry off on a point that you made earlier about how it sounds a lot like communism. Yeah, it's like it, and it, it literally is. is. It literally is. Which is why if you look at like Martin Luther King and his inner circle, these were all people who were either explicitly communist or communist sympathetic. And mm -hmm. we don't know this because we're taught from infancy that Martin Luther King Jr. is a hero, which is why he's the only man to have his own federal holiday. Holy day. I mean, literally like a celebration of the civil rights movement as a restructuring of the American Constitution to be not about equality, or sorry, not about equality of um, opportunity, but about mm -hmm. equality of outcome, which is why too, yeah, literally everybody in that inner circle were communists and they select him. People don't know this, but Martin Luther King wasn't considered to even be like the greatest leader of black America at the time. He was in maybe second or third place, but they chose him specifically because of his ministry background. And so he was able to use Christian language to appeal to an America at the time that was overwhelmingly Christian to sell them on the, the language of civil rights under the guise of this is the right thing to do. It's just, but really what that's meant in practice is just the restructuring of our government to be about equality of outcome instead of about opportunity. Mm. Uh, and you do have a longer form video uh, on I your do. channel. I do have you, content on my channel. That, well, that you go into all yes. of this. If people are looking, there you've you've piqued their interest. They're like, wait, what are you saying about mm -hmm. Martin Luther King? You can go check out uh, John's channel, Heck Off Commie, for more on that. Um, all right, we got to take a quick break. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Patriot Mobile. So uh, if you want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to all of the work that Patriot Mobile has recently done in multiple school districts in Texas. The left, as you would expect, is completely losing their minds. This is, of course, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, and they have been such a force for conservative values. This is because instead of Big Mobile, who is, by the way, taking a portion of your bill and funding all of these left-leaning causes that you're working uh, behind the scenes to fight against, Patriot Mobile is going to fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in things like the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they're winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans. They've got family plans. They've got business plans. They've got the same nationwide coverage uh, as all the major carriers because guess what? Spoiler alert, they all use the same networks these days. And you're supporting conservative values with every call you make if you go to patriotmobile.com news. Get free activation with the offer code news. By the way, if you're a veteran or first responder, make sure you tell them you're going to get even more off. So patriotmobile.com news.
Last Friday, Greg Abbott and uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke had a gubernatorial debate here in Texas. Now, um, I got to be honest with you, it was like the most boring thing I've watched in my life. But I watched it because, number one, I do this for a living. But number two, I also live in Texas. And this is very important, a very important, uh, you know, uh, debate for me. They're both really terrible at this. Uh, but Abbott, at least, is not going to uh, so quickly make sure that Texas falls further and further and further into the depths of hell, as, of course, Robert Francis would. So a couple interesting moments in that particular debate. Uh, Abbott has come under fire for stating that Texas will give rape victims who become pregnant baby supplies instead of encouraging them to murder their children. Uh, now, here is his answer uh, about abortion and alternatives with uh, baby supplies, where he's getting a lot of criticism for this. Watch. Is plan B the alternative when it comes to somebody who is pregnant from rape or incest? Well, it depends on what you mean by alternative. An alternative, obviously, uh, is uh, to do what we can to assist and aid uh, the victim. Uh, and that is to help get them medical assistance that they need uh, and the care that they need, but also uh, to know what their options are. They're going uh, to know that uh, the, the state, uh, through our alternatives to abortion program, provides living assistance, baby supplies, all kinds of things that can help them. Also, we've increased funding for prenatal okay. and postpartum care. Thank you, Governor. You know, it's just interesting because so often we hear from the left um, that the right doesn't care about babies after they're born, right? You guys you guys want to call them babies and you don't do anything for them after they're born. How many babies are you adopting? How are you helping these babies when they go to adoption? And now Greg Abbott is somehow under fire for saying the state is going to help mothers get what they need because they won't be allowed to kill their own children. I, it kind of feels like we just can't win. Yeah, the debate should really just be centered around whether or not it's right or wrong. And you can invoke, you know, bioethics to that, whatever you would need to do to construct a good argument. They would lose that, which is why, you know, they, with the assistance of their media apparatus, have to keep it centered upon these, like, really just insignificant cases of like, oh, well, what if this girl was raped by her brother and then she went to the doctor and then the doctor killed her whole family and she had no income? Like these completely just ridiculous circumstances. And it's so dishonest because if I wanted to, you know, convince my mom to let me play soccer, or something, I'd be like, oh, you know, it's good for me. I wouldn't have to be like, if I don't play soccer, no one's going to like me. And if no one likes me, I might kill myself. Like, I, it doesn't need to be that extreme, you know? You should, if, it's a, if, it's a, it's a, if it's a good if it's a good argument, you should be able to present a good argument that appeals to, like, the vast majority of circumstances which would pertain to it instead of these just outliers that are totally irrelevant. Well, I also like that even if the, the circumstance that you're talking about, like, they always want to go for this extreme, mm. rare circumstance that rarely happens, and even if you were to give them that, Right. Like if you were to go, OK, we'll make an exception for the woman who does whose family has abandoned them and blah, 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 blah. They'd be like, no, we won't take that. And it's like, well, wait, you just you just base your entire argument off of this. And now you're saying that you, you're not even going to agree to it. Sounds a whole lot like a disingenuous argument to begin with. And, and even the babies who aren't born under those circumstances or conceived, I should say, under those circumstances when they're like, oh, well, conservatives, they say they're pro-life and then the baby's born. And then they don't want to take care of it. And then they've got all these crisis pregnancy centers. And they're like, I'm going to throw Molotov cocktail at those, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I, for me, I'm, I'm fascinated um, on how Texas voters are going to view this issue. Um, I cover a lot of the South Texas with mm -hmm. the border, so I'm mm -hmm. kind of in this world of politics with what's going on here in the state. Um, a lot of folks who vote Democrat who are Hispanic Catholics, this is maybe one of the issues where Greg Abbott could pull them in as, as well as the border. 
Um, now, I don't think this is going to be a deal breaker for Texas voters. I think the border, there's a lot more issues, especially with the integrated. I think that's going to be the ones. So I don't know if this is a deal breaker, but it's kind of interesting because Abbott does have a moment where he could kind of pull in those more of those South Texas Catholic mm-hmm. uh, voters t- towards his side and also kind of uh, make the argument with, with, with a stronger border as well. Now, if you speak to Republican voters, you know, half of them are happy with Abbott. Some of them are like, we need someone who's actually more a Republican. So I know a lot of Republicans are not even that satisfied with with Abbott. Yeah, that's why it's just it was so annoying for me to watch because I'm like, honestly, Mm. I don't like either of these guys. It's just that, like, trust me when I tell you, Texas, every single one of us has to show up to the ballot box and cast our votes because you can't. Polling doesn't matter if all of the people who were polled doesn't show up because Mm -hmm. they just accept that, like, oh, well, everyone's going to vote for this person that I like, so I just won't. You know what? I'm busy. i got to make dinner. Don't do that. Make sure you go to the polls. Uh, So gun control, of course, also came up because this has been— And just a quick reminder, too, Sarah, people forget that that Beto and the Democrats are raising millions of dollars outside of Texas off Uvalde. So just— that's another thing to, to really consider. They're raising a really lot of money off that shooting. And it's money that's coming from Washington, D.C., not necessarily Texas. I'm glad that you're bringing Uvalde up because that was actually where oh, I was going to go with this. They they talked about it in, in what I thought was one of Beto's most disgusting moments. And trust me, there were a lot. So that's kind of a low bar here. But one of his most disgusting moments within this particular debate was that he tried to blame Abbott directly uh, for the Uvalde shooting. And then, of course, said he would raise the minimum age to buy a gun to 21. Here's that. Although the lead of those families from Uvalde, that's who I'm doing this for. In fact, uh, many of them drove more than five hours, 280 miles to be here today, even though they're not allowed in this theater because of the governor's conditions, because they want to hold him accountable because it's been 18 weeks since their kids have been killed and not a thing has changed in this state to make it any less likely that any other child will meet the same fate. All we need is action. And the only person standing in our way is the governor of the state of Texas. In Florida, after the Parkland shootings, it was 23 days for that Republican governor to raise the age. And in those states where the age has been raised, mass shootings are down 80%. So yes, we can raise the age to 21. And as governor, I'll bring Republicans and Democrats around the table to do that. Uh, After all these mass shootings, this governor has done nothing except make it easier for people who should not have a firearm to carry them publicly. And this is what we get as a result. Uh, there were, he went on to, to, when they kept talking about this back and forth, he did go on to say, um, he literally said, the blame lies at the feet of Greg Abbott, um, who obviously you know, signs bills but doesn't have the ability to pass them through the legislation. Um, also, the Uvalde police waited 77 minutes uh, before even trying to open the doors of the classroom, even with ballistics, shields, and Uh, rifles. So it's really hard to comprehend when you know the actual facts of the story. And we we sat here and we watched that footage and I, uh, you know, did my best not to not to cry uh, here at this table. And you watch these men do nothing. And to have someone blame Greg Abbott, who had nothing to do with it and didn't have the ability to even react when those men stood back for 77 minutes and did nothing is just so disgusting not to mention uh, Robert Francis over there says that he was he was he's running for those people he's running for the people for the victims of the Uvalde shooting really asshole because you were running before that even happened it sounds a whole lot like you're just trying to take advantage of a horrible tragedy to gain political clout which by the way would be really freaking disgusting um Jorge you've been there mm-hmm. you went down there how do you feel like Uvalde is going to react to this type of, you know, political uh, theater? 
Well, you know, one thing that people don't know, um, one of the reasons that the police response was slow that day, um, so you've all these 40 miles from the border and they have an issue where they have a train that runs to the border. So a lot of drug smugglers and like folks who are illegals like to basically get in car chases with the police in Uvalde when they get dropped off to, from the train. So uh, actually, this is kind of an issue that starts with Biden from the border. So when when police of Uvalde actually got that first phone call, they just thought it was another migrant that was that was doing another mm -hmm. bailout. So it kind of explains this little town that has almost no resources getting ignored from the Biden administration when this is actually stemming from um, the border. I, I've, I've been down there and I, I spoke to folks. The one thing that they want is is this just they want, uh, you know, solutions. They don't want this politicized anymore. And I think one of the solutions right, we, we are seeing is uh, Congresswoman Meyer Flores. She just introduced a bill where she would actually put armed security members uh, throughout the school, all through in Texas. I believe it's like an 11, 11 billion dollar proposal. I think that right there is it will be pretty effective. But they are uh, they are sick of the politicized. I think one of the moments that really. Uh, touched a lot of people's heartstrings in the wrong way was when um, Abbott was down there. He was doing the press conference mm -hmm. with the mayor. Then you had that mm -hmm. famous kind of incident where Abbott, you know, Beto just runs in there and mm -hmm. then interrupts his, this press conference. So a lot of people got politicized, uh, got angry during there. But they, they want solutions. These are just regular people that don't want this so politicized in the in the, in the media anymore. But um, like I said, it's a, it's one that Beto and the Democrats know that they could actually raise millions, and they're, they're doing it, and mm -hmm. it's coming out of D.C. So it's um, it's interesting seeing Beto kind of use you all day for that. So I want to get your thoughts on this, John, but I'm going to throw in one other uh, video clip here. This is uh, on defunding the police. He was asked whether or not he supported defunding the police and, of course, denied it. Watch. Do you support measures to defund police? You have 60 seconds. Of course I don't, and, and no one does. Oh. Okay. All right. Except that back in 2020, he himself, Robert Francis, said it is sometimes necessary to completely dismantle police forces. Watch. I, I really love that uh, Black Lives Matters and uh, other protesters have put this front and center to defund, so you know, these line items mm -hmm. that have over-militarized our, our police. Make sure that you have the services, the help, the support the health care necessary to be well mm. and not require police intervention. And then also in, in some necessary cases, mm. completely dismantling those police forces and rebuilding them. And I think the, the city council in Minneapolis made the right decision. You, you, you don't have one bad apple. You don't have four oh, bad okay. apples. Mm -hmm. you, you have a, a system wide problem in that police department. Which just for reference, the city of Minneapolis did defund their police department. Um, but of course not, John, of course not. He wouldn't, he, no, he doesn't support that. Of course not. Where would you get that crazy idea? Yeah, an actual winning answer to this problem um, is going to require from the right a certain level of genius that I don't think we have the inclination or resources to cultivate because the Democrats actually have a better answer to this than the Republicans do in the sense that it is true that there exists a certain profile of these mass shooters. I mean, these are kids who are usually very weird, uh, so to speak. I mean, they spend a lot of time on the Internet. They're antisocial. They're depressed. They're spiritually ill. And you can actually look at every genre of, of politics that we've pursued since the end of World War II and see how that's led to this generation that is so dysgenic and so antisocial and just so just unable to function in society. I mean, you see like the, the I guess you'd say, center of that distribution be kids, you know, these snowflakes, and they get anxious at the thought of this, this, and this. But then you wonder what the left side of that distribution looks like. I mean,
mean, these are the kids who are really just forgotten. And they look at the future and they don't see anything uh, to be optimistic about. And, you know, if 1% or even one-tenth of 1% of those kids decides that they want to go down in infamy and pick up a rifle and do something, they're going to do that. And unfortunately, because the trends only continue to go that way, uh, you're just going to see more and more and more of this continue as the country continues its decline. And the only answer that you really have seen from the right is, well, we have Second Amendment rights, which which is true. I mean, that's obviously the case, but that's not going to stop mass shootings from happening, especially, I mean, if you look at every, whether it's in Parkland with the FBI knowing about it and then not doing anything, or here, even local law enforcement refusing to do anything about it or being told not to do anything about it. This is just going to continue. And sometimes you'll see a bit more nuanced of an answer from Republicans, which is, oh, well, it's not a gun problem, it's a mental health problem, which is true, but mental health in itself is a, is a way of viewing a person as just body and mind with nothing uh, taken into account for the soul, which I think is fundamentally incorrect. So they'll say, oh, it's a mental health problem. Oh, well, what, put them on psychotropic drugs? Mm -hmm. Typically, they're already on them. And I think I think there's something to be said about that research. So it really is a very nuanced issue that would require a certain level of genius to be able to boil down into a short, simple message to advertise to voters. And Republicans just aren't there. And so we're just going to gun rights and kids yeah. are just going to keep dying. So Yeah, um, I, that's a great point. Uh, all right. We got to uh, take a quick break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Vermont High School uh, has banned several female volleyball players from their own locker room. This is absolute madness. Uh, after they complained that a transgender student, so a biological male with a penis with whom they have to share the locker room, allegedly made some remarks that made the girls quite uncomfortable. Here's a video of that. High school student Blake Ellen and her teammates are currently barred from using the locker room after some of the girls on the team objected to allowing a transgender player in the girls' locker room. My mom wants me to do this interview to try to make a change. Ellen says the dispute started when the trans student made an inappropriate comment while members of the volleyball team were getting changed. She says her issue is not with having the trans student on the team or at school, but specifically in the locker room. Under state law, the transgender student could use whatever locker room they identified with. In an email to families, school officials said that the school has plenty of space where students who feel uncomfortable with the laws may change in privacy. They want all, all the girls who feel uncomfortable, so pretty much 10 girls, to get changed in a single-style bathroom, which would take over 30 minutes, when if one person got changed separately, it would take a minute. I mean, right. Like, so, or we could just have the mentally ill, confused child who likely is uh, has abusive parents who are leading them in this direction just change privately as they just indicated we could do. 
That would make too much sense, though. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm a I'm a mug is half full kind of guy. I think this is just like male excellence. You know, you look at like at all ages, boys just like to conquer things. And you saw all this nonsense in the latter half of the 20th century. Oh, Title IX. Oh, we want to play sports too. And now the boys are just taking those locker rooms back, and we're taking the sports teams back, and we're winning the championships again. And you just love to see it. But I suppose on a more serious note, um, it really this really is like this is the true patriarchy. Well, like they complain about that all the time. It's like, no, literally men are replacing women it's in like every real single thing. It's like, that literally is the patriarchy that you guys kept warning us about. It's here and you're supporting uh, it. There is something to be said about the common, and I understand this, it really does come from a position of good faith where people will say things like, well, I'm okay with this and this, but what I don't like is when it's in the locker room. What I don't like is when it's shoved down my throat or whatever, but it's like if you are fundamentally like accepting a disordered identity, then there is really no reason why that shouldn't be allowed to exist within any any space that you would enter. I mean, if you're going to accept that this person is actually like, you know, it's a female's body trapped in a male, or a female's uh, brain trapped in a male's body or vice versa, there's really no reason at that point if you're going to accept something that is fundamentally backwards and disordered, why then your like subjective sense of personal comfort should then be like played as a reason for why they shouldn't be allowed to enter there. Like you've allowed them into, you know, to inch so far that it's like that last space at that point is just irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know whether to be mad or just laugh because it's so comical, it's so and then you wonder why like other countries hate us because yeah. we're 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 doing this. <laughs> I mean, it's there's like literally no no more words for it. I'm actually glad that that she's at least doing the interview and and shout out to her mom who's supporting her. Changed the narrative on this situation, but I mean, if you're a migrant, like why would you come here? Our chicks have at this point, dude. Real. Like, I mean, I mean, I, I've been at the board. I'm like, dude, you, you want to turn around, buddy? Fifty percent of the population got chicks. You gotta, you gotta wonder too if like there's any, because this has definitely happened before. There's we wonder case, why people want to blow us up, John. Yeah, no, we're, there's like some dad just sitting in his recliner, and then the daughter comes home and just like, Dad, Dad, I got kicked out of the locker room by a boy who thinks he's a girl, and just like, eh, be quiet. Turns up Fox News, and Muslims, they're they're barbaric society over there, they're totally backwards, and just. Mm. <laughs> I mean, Sarah, how does this make you feel? Because, you know, just knowing oh. that this is, you know, you have kids and this is I mean, bad, it's, well, you know? it's infuriating. Um, it, it's just, it's so frustrating to see these same feminists who, like, you know, they, let me tell you, uh, the feminists from long ago would be rolling in their graves oh, to see man. what's happening now, right? But these women who call themselves feminists and, you know, have all of the flags and the bio and all of these things are just like, yes, I think that men should be allowed to erase me. I didn't want that scholarship. I didn't want my daughter to be able to, you know, be safe in her own locker room or bathroom. I didn't want any of those things. What I want is for men pretending to be me to just replace me. That's what I want. I mean, it's just, it's so weird to me. I don't, I can't wrap my brain around it. It is weird that it has now entered the mainstream, but if you look at like the, I, I hesitate to call it this, but like, you know, almost intelligent or, or philosophical history behind this, um, the second wave feminism coincided perfectly with this. I mean, you had like Jermaine Greer and Judith Butler and all these feminist writers talking about like literally gender as a concept is fundamentally mm-hmm. oppressive, so you should be able to decide it like for yourself. Uh, and now since, you know, they, they won the victory via the Supreme Court, which by the way, all of their biggest victories because their policies are extraordinarily unpopular. The way they've been able been able to march down the field is because of like um, what do they call it? 
legislating from the bench. I mean, they did this with the civil rights in the 1960s. They did this uh, with social policy up until now. So they got the victory with gay marriage. And then immediately within, like, I think even the same season, you had Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner on the cover of Vanity Fair. And then from then, it's been a mainstream conversation. And you can even look at, like, what we were talking about as recently as two years ago as it pertains to this. And it seems moderate because mm -hmm. it just keeps getting worse. And it's going to until we figure out how to stop it. Yeah, I mean, speaking of that, uh, the Twitter account Libs of TikTok recently exposed another hospital offering what they call gender-confirming therapies for children. Uh, there, This is a new segment that covers, this is Lucy, a nine-year-old trans girl who went to Barbara Bush's Children's Hospital in Maine for gender-affirming treatment. I mean, you got, uh, remind you, Barbara Bush, uh, this is her hospital uh, in, over there in Maine, watch. When my child, Benjamin, was born, Back in 2006, uh, he was born um, Benjamin Thomas Tidd. Bridget says Benjamin was headstrong from birth and struggled with behavioral issues. But she says there were other things that were different about Benjamin. We noticed at a young age there was this tendency to want to um, dress up and want to do what I do every day. He said to me, Mom, I wish I could die and I, God could bring me back as a girl. And that was the moment we said we would rather have our child be with a different name and identify as who she wants to be than a child that isn't here at all. I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. That's when the Tids sought help at the gender clinic at the Barbara Bush Children's Hospital. Dr. Gerald Olshan, a pediatric endocrinologist, is the medical director. You know, about one in four um, will attempt suicide, about half will consider suicide during adolescence. And so our big goal and what got me interested is how do we help this population do better in the long run? Okay, so I know we don't have much time to break this down here in the segment, but um, I note that the kid didn't say I'm going to kill myself. He just made a statement like, oh, I wish I could just die and God could bring me back as a girl. Like, it, that wasn't like a, an attempt. That wasn't a cry for help. I, I wouldn't think. I felt, it felt like that was just a little kid just saying, like, I wish I could be a girl. And he wanted to be like his mom. My, my older son, uh, when he was much younger, asked me if he could put on makeup like mommy. I said, no, because you're a boy. He said, can I wear your heels? I said, no, because you're a boy. It's very, very easy if you as a parent are telling the children, like, absolute truths and, you know, realities versus just like, well, we just wanted him to be happy. We didn't want to tell him that wasn't okay. But John, I know you are uh, like a, a statistical beast. And St I'm going to add that to my, my bio. My bio and, well, and I, so really quick here, he mentioned how many uh, children attempt suicide what would you say about that? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's true whether it's children or adults. I mean, there is no population in human history that has had a greater suicide attempt rate than transgender people. But what people. about after they transition? After they transition, because there's like five stages of it, but there's no stage that suggests that it gets better. And all the studies that they say that this is the case, if you read the data, I mean, with even like an introductory statistics background, you can tell that it's not good data. But there's an incentive to publish this because of who funds it, and so they push it out anyways. But you'll see like the follow-up for, you know, literally like 
like the gender reassigning surgeries or whatever, is like three months later, and they're saying, oh, this is okay. And it's like, oh, therefore, they are actually happier after. And it's like, you're going to do something like reassign your gender. You might want to follow up five, ten years yeah. later. And the studies that have done that, like there's one they call it the Sweden study from 1973 to 2003, they found it wasn't statistically significant in terms of them having a uh, greater quality of life or mm -hmm. something like that. Also, gender and sex are literally the same thing. They're like, oh, well, gender means, no, it doesn't. Gender, think of that word, gen. What is, where do we see that? Genesis, mm -hmm. generate, it means to create. Der, where do we see that? Dermatology, taxiderm, it means skin. That word literally means to create flesh, referencing your biological role in that process of reproduction. So yeah, gender and sex, literally the same thing. They decided it wasn't in like the 1960s. That's fake. And I was going to say it's gay, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note, we're going to take a break. We'll be back. <laughs> Arizona Cardinals uh, defensive lineman J.J. Watt uh, revealed on Twitter over the weekend, I believe it was like right before his game yesterday, he said, I was just told somebody leaked some personal information about me and it's going to be reported on today. I went into AFib on Wednesday, had my heart shocked back into rhythm on Thursday, and I'm playing today. That's it. Um, boy, there's a lot of uh, speculation there about why all of these athletes, like just in really, really fit condition, keep suffering from all of these heart conditions that they didn't have before. Uh, but he said that he was assured multiple times from multiple different, uh, you know, cardiologists, electrophysiologists from all over the country who said that uh, there was nothing else he could do and he could go back and play like normal. So that's what he did. Um, by the way, I just want to also throw out there that uh, Dr. Fauci has given another grant to study bat, coronavi bat coronaviruses to EcoHealth Alliance, the same company that was suspected of conducting gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab where COVID likely leaked from. But that's all conspiracy, so I won't get into that. I didn't bring my tinfoil hat, so. Yeah, the amounts of uh, young people or professional athletes or celebrities even who have just mysteriously dropped dead mm -hmm. has reached such a, a significant like occurring factor that even I've noticed it. You know, it comes up on Twitter like, oh, so-and-so, you know, famous for this movie or something. And it is happening to where, like, people are really starting to notice and then the figures are coming out from insurance companies. What is it, mm -hmm. like, 18 to 49 is up? So they're going to have to find a way to explain this. And, I mean, they already are trying to, like, prime people to accept it through advertisements talking about, oh, children with myocarditis or whatever, like, as though it's a completely normal thing. But, uh... I don't know. I mean, I'll pray for these people, but uh, like Joker said, I mean, you get what you deserve. So, you know, after seeing this, it just almost vindicates and validates um, Kyrie Irving, man, for taking a mm -hmm. such a strong stand. He got really critical. To, he, you know, he's bashing the sports media world. Brooklyn Nets didn't even let him play. He almost lost over a hundred million dollars in his contract, but he stayed true. Didn't, you know, didn't get it, and he ended up winning. And I think that's one thing that I, I just looking at that just reminds me, of, like, man, Ky what Kyrie did. He spoke. For the workers, I'm a I'm a soccer fan, so I've been noticing this is a common trend mm -hmm. right now in Europe. The mm -hmm. most famous is another like 22 year old Alfonso Davis with Bayern Munich had a huge heart issue after the v, uh, the vaccine. So very interesting. But shout out for Kyrie, man, for really sticking true to his principle. That was very difficult for him to do that. I just I can't imagine like being like, oh yeah, I mm -hmm. don't have a heart condition. Uh, went into atrial fibrillation, got yeah. shocked, and I'm just like, I'm here oh, for yeah. the big game. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm suited up and being the coach and being like, cool, that sounds yeah, there, great. There's an NBA player, Andrew Wiggins, last year was like, hey man, they literally forced me to get it just for me to 
to get paid and do my job. He's like, I, I felt violated. And yeah. then one year later, he's like, I literally regret it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, me talking about the grant that uh, was given to EcoHealth Alliance, which was the same uh, lab that likely leaked uh, COVID. I, though, that story is not related to the J.J. Watt story at all. That's like, you can't find any. It's just They were just two separate. Don't worry, okay? All right, don't try to put those two together. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Friday, last Friday, Nancy Pelosi responded to a question about whether she's controlling her members to keep them silent on the border. And she's made a really strange argument against deporting illegal immigrants in Florida. Watch. We have a shortage of workers in our country. And you see even in Florida, some of the farmers and the growers saying, why are you shipping these uh, immigrants uh, up north? We need them to pick the crops down here. First of all, her teeth are falling out of her mouth, I think. But Jorge, you're a brown person also. What do you think of that? I, love, I mean, that's what, uh, you know, that's, but that's how what, you know, white liberals view brown people like yes, that. It's yes. like, we want you here, but we want you to serve us. And you yeah. want, we want you to be our maid and cut our grass. We don't actually want you to live next yeah. to us. And so uh, I'm glad she said the quiet part out loud. That's exactly what, how Democrats and progressives feel about brown people. Mm-hmm. They, they said it. Who do you think is going to pick the crops? Us? We're not going to do it. We need the brown people here. I tell you, these Democrats, you know, the party of slavery, and they still want them doing the same jobs. Literally. Crazy, crazy Democrats, but, uh, yeah. Who's going to clean my toilet? That's not even, I don't think... I forget how many hundreds of different occupations are recognized by the uh, Department of Labor, but I think the only amount that immigrants, either illegal or legal, make up a majority, there's like six of them. And the others are like majority Americans. So Americans will do the job. We just won't yep. do it for low wages, which is why yep. big business lobbies mm-hmm. both sides of you know Congress to have mass immigration be the policy since the 1960s. I love that you pointed that out because uh, in the, the debate that we covered earlier, the gubernatorial debate here in Texas, that was one thing that Beto kept saying, which was like, I just want people who want to come in and work and do the jobs that Americans won't do to be able to do that. And it's like, that's not happening. Like, as John mentioned, that's a very small number of uh, people. And I don't know if you guys noticed, Jorge's covering it all the time. There's like millions of them yep. pouring in through the border. Definitely not enough jobs for those people. Like, Jorge, we got 10 seconds. Am I wrong? Dude, turn around. Arctic's turn around, turn around. <laughs> Go back from where you came. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.